really mean this in a bad way, but man, I feel like this has been the longest month. I, I feel like we have been in this series reset for three months, and this is only the fourth week of the series. Excited about our new series next week, starting a new series called Mind Fields and talking about the battle of our mind. You ever been around someone who's just negative all the time? You ever been around someone who's just an a-hole all the time? You ever been around someone who's just grumpy all the time? You ever been around someone that you just don't want to be around and because everywhere they go, they see the negative thing? The problem is it starts in their mind and they have a battle going on. The Bible talks a lot about that. So it's going to be a great series. Excited about that, but we're wrapping up this series. We wanted to start the year just kind of resetting our faith. Christianity 101, back to the basics, if you will, just kind of refresh your course on some of the things that matter the most in our walk with Christ. The first week of the series, we talked about the importance of the Bible, and we talked about how sometimes we don't understand the power and the blessing that we have, that we have God's Word written to us, and that we have access to that Word. We talked about the importance of getting into the Word. If you missed that, you can go to your any of your uh, podcasting streams on your phone. Go to actionchurch.tv, and you can download that for free. The second week of the series... We talked about prayer, and we talked about the importance of prayer. And we talked about how the problem with us in our faith is we throw up the most haphazard prayers in the world. And we bore God with our prayer life. We talked about praying big prayers. And then last week, we began the process of talking about how God wants all of us. And that the best thing we can do is offer ourselves to God. And we talked about that last week. And God wants everything that we have and everything that we are. And we went over and we talked about Elisha and we talked about the widow who had one jar of oil, if you remember, and she thought she was about to lose everything. And Elisha told her to go there and get all the pots that she could and start pouring the oil out. And the oil never ran out to the pots, ran out. And that God just continued to bless her as she gave the only thing that she had to serve others. And we talked about how God wants us to give what we have back to him. And we're a selfish people. I am a selfish people. Gary Lamb, the king of selfish. I think the world revolves around me. I think everybody should do what I want when I want it. And I just have a tendency to be very selfish. And so in my selfishness, sometimes I forget that I'm supposed to offer myself. I'm supposed to offer myself to my community. I'm supposed to offer myself to my family, I'm supposed to honor my, offer myself to my spouse, to my calling, and I'm supposed to offer myself to God. And we talked about that immediately when you talk about giving of yourselves, we all immediately go to the fact that we think we have nothing to offer. Sounds great, but man, who am I and what do I have? And so we begin the series, and we're doing something we've never done before. This is kind of part two of the message. We didn't get through the entire message last week. And we talked last week that God wants us to give our time to him. And we talked about that God wants us to give our talents to him, that God has uniquely shaped you and he has gifted you and there is nobody else like you. And he has given you those talents and we looked at it and we talked about how life is so short and we don't know when. We have a funeral here today at 2.30 and man, you never know when someone you care about or someone that you're in contact with is going to take their last breath. And we have, we have to maximize the time that we have giving back to God. And we talked about the talents that we have. And then we ran out of time in the message before we got to the last point. And that was good because I wanted to cover the last topic in depth. The last topic before we get into it, 
Just to let you know, I am going to feed into every stereotype you have of church today. If you're a first-time guest, you're going to leave here with a chip on your shoulder thinking we care about one thing and one thing only, and you could be no- nothing could be further from the truth. We've talked about this subject in the 10 years of our existence four or five times, and that's it. But people get tense when you talk about this subject. That's okay. I'm okay with that. Before we get into today's subject, let me make something very clear to you. I don't care what you do with today's subject. I don't care if you agree with what I talk about today. I don't care if you disagree with what I talk about today. That's between you and God. You don't answer to me for what you do in your walk. You don't answer to me for what you do with your faith. I'm just going to talk to you about giving back of ourselves and how God wants us to give back. And we're going to talk about the subject that makes everyone tense, not our time, not our talents, but God also wants our treasure. Immediately, we lost about 85% of you. And that's okay. Because as you can tell, as you look around this mecca of a church, We are consumed with money. We eat, sleep, and drink giving around here. We talk about it again. I think I looked at my records. I think this is the fifth time in 10 years we've talked about it. But bet any time we talk about it, there's going to be a lot of people that it's their first time here. So for those of you that's your first time here, I'm sorry that we're feeding into your stereotypes today. Give us another chance next week. And in two years, we'll cover this subject again. And make this very clear, we're not talking about this subject because we need your money today. The bills get paid around here. We ain't ever not paid the bills around here. We've never not had a need around here that God has not met around here. Me and Christine were down here working the other day, and an older gentleman walked into the door, never seen him in my life, probably about 70, 80 years old. Big old cowboy hat. I thought he was lost. I thought, man, I have really been watching way too much Yellowstone. I've never seen like a dude in a cowboy hat walking in with boots in Canton, Georgia. Begin to ask for Gary Lamb. I was like, man, I don't know if I tell him I'm Gary Lamb. Like, is he wanting to whoop me? Because I can't swing on this old man. He's old. This is a lose-lose situation. I feel it out for a minute. I'm like, okay, I think he comes in somewhat peace. It's safe to say I'm Gary. If he wanted to fight, I was going to tell him Christine was Gary. (laughs) He began to talk to me and what he had heard about this church. Gave me an envelope and said, God just told me to give this to the church. And so, to be honest with you, I didn't think about the envelope. I laid it on my desk and forgot about it. I was cleaning off the desk later. We don't touch the finances of the church. An outside firm has handled those since the day that we started. Couldn't write a check if we wanted to, so I was like, oh, man, i got to get this over to them. So open it up to take it to them. Thousands of dollars, this man wrote a check to our church. So I say all that to say this. This isn't a sermon where we need your money. This isn't a sermon where you give more money and I get a bigger paycheck. That's not how it works. Okay. I own my own company. My wife owns her own company. We don't depend on Action Church for paychecks. So I come to you with no motives today. 
And I also come to you with no apologies today. Because we're not the golden corral. You don't get to pick and choose what you eat. Now, when I go to the Golden Corral now, fried chicken, steak, macaroni and cheese, mashed potatoes, nothing else. You know why? Because it's a buffet. I pick and choose. Like there's stuff out on that buffet. I don't even know where they put it out there. I think it's just to have choices. When you're reading from the Word of God, you've got to take it all in, even if we don't like it. 85% of you have already checked out. Like I said, that's okay. People get funny when you talk about money. I get it. People get tense when you talk about money. And we don't want to accept the reason why, but the reality is we are all guilty at one time or another is money really is our God. We live in a society where you cannot function without money. We go to work and we work over 60% of our life for money. Everything that we buy and everything that we have costs money. We all go through a phase in life where we're insecure and think we got to keep up with the Joneses, and that costs us money. Then you get older in life and you realize, man, maybe I don't want to work the rest of my life, but if I don't want to work the rest of my life, man, I better make sure I have money. And money becomes our God. It becomes what consumes us. It becomes what is focused, and it's nothing new. Did you know that Jesus talked more about money than prayer and faith combined? He knew it would be a stumbling block for us. He knew it would be the thing that when we give everything that we have to God, man, hold, wait a minute, I'm going to hold that back. And therefore, we have become a very ungenerous people. And make no mistake about it, there's a huge difference between giving and being generous. To be generous, I came up with this definition, to be generous is to orient your life around the thrill of being used by God to make a difference. And if you've never experienced this, I don't know what to tell you, the thrill of being used by God. What an honor that God uses us. Bro busted and disgusted Gary Lamb. Google the name and you'll find out all the dirt you want to find out. And God says, I'm going to use that idiot. He could have used anybody, but he uses me and he uses you. And this book is full of messed up people that God is using. It's a thrill that we get to be used by him. To be generous is to orient your life. It's when you build your life around the thrill of being used by God to make a difference. To know that, that you're being part of something that's not trying to put on the best light show or the biggest building or have the coolest this or the coolest that, but yet it's going to get down and dirty and it's going to feed people and house people and clothe people and, and provide places for acts and do whatever it takes to reach those that are far from God to be the hands and feet of Jesus. It's a thrill. It's exciting. Be generous is to orient your life around the thrill of being used by God. But so many of us are anything but generous. I'm going to give you some stats that are going to blow your mind in a little bit. A recent survey asked people why they weren't more generous. And overwhelmingly, the answer was most, most Americans responded they didn't feel they were rich enough to be generous. 
They weren't rich enough to be generous. I'm not going to focus on this very long today, but I want to unpack this lie very, very quickly. Most of us, how many of you would say, man, I I feel rich? You know why we don't overall feel rich? Because we know somebody richer than us. We know somebody that has more than us, and therefore we don't feel rich, but man, we are a rich people today. And let me make this very clear. I'm not being like super spiritual. I don't mean we're rich in friendships. You're rich in friendships. No, I'm talking about we're rich in mucho dinero. How many of you have a car? Raise your hands, raise your hands, raise your hands. How many of you have a car? Did you know that if you own a car, you're in the top 6% of richest people in the world? If you own a car. How many of you own two cars? Do you know that if you own two cars, you're in the top 3.2% of people in the world when it comes to wealth? Yeah, we're wealthy. We don't feel wealthy, but we're wealthy. We have cars. We will get in our cars, turn them on, and drive past 14 restaurants. Restaurants where people will cook the food for us, serve the food to us, clean our dishes, fill up our cups, and do whatever we want. We'll pass 14 of them to go to our favorite one. We will then get to our favorite restaurant and get mad because there's a five-minute wait, and there's not normally a five-minute wait. Like I said, they'll come ask us what we want. They'll go into the kitchen and prepare the food for us. They will bring the food out to us. We will eat the food. They will take our plates They will wash those plates. We will leave, get back into our cars, which only 6.7% of people in the world have. We will then drive our cars back to our homes. Check this out, check this out. And the large majority of us will park our cars in their own homes. We have homes for our cars. Now you say, we don't use it. The reason you don't use it is because you're so rich, you have so much stuff that you have to put it in the car's home. Some of you have two homes for your cars. We have three homes for our cars, but only have two cars. A joke. I got teenage kids, it's coming. We're not rich enough to be generous, but then we will get out of our car that's parked in its own home and walk into our climate-controlled house. Say, what's that mean? It means when it's 16 degrees outside like it was this morning, it's whatever I want it to be inside. I will then go sit on my comfortable couch, my climate-controlled house. I will then turn on my television and fit through 700 channels and tell you that I can't find anything to watch. I will then go take a shower. Okay, a bubble bath, you know me. 
that will be so hot, hot water, where the large portion of the world doesn't even have clean drinking water, I will take this sexy body and sit into a bathtub. Then I will get out of the bathtub, and guess what I'll do? I'm going to give you way TMI here, though. I'm going to go to the bathroom. And then after I go to the bathroom, I'm so rich, I'm going to hit a button on my toilet that is going to take the stuff that I put in that toilet somewhere else. Did you know that even in some of the most civilized places in the world, they do their stuff in a hole? I didn't know that. I was watching a TikTok video the other day. Every great story starts with that. And these people had built a nice house out in the middle of nowhere. And they go to the bathroom, and they're like, and this is our bucket. What? They'd built like a thing over a bucket. Like, yeah, it's hard to get sewage or septic out. I was like, what? I'm rich. My stuff goes somewhere else. It's amazing. But we're not rich enough to be generous. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how our mindset changes when we do that. It doesn't happen all over the world. you got clothes, and then another layer of clothes. And ladies, sometimes some of you have rooms that are bigger than other homes, bigger than some tiny homes, just for your clothes. But you'll say you have nothing to wear. Once a year, we'll get a wild hair up our butt, and we will clean the house, and we will pack five garbage bags full of our clothes. And we'll take them to Goodwill or Salvation Army and give them away. Why? Because we're rich. Yeah, so we can get more. I have decided that I could either lose weight or get bigger clothes. I decided to get bigger clothes, so I feel like I'm losing weight. We're so blessed and we don't even know it. Why can't we be generous? Because we're not rich enough. No, no, you don't have a money problem. You have a spending problem. You spend more. Matter of fact, we live in such a great country. Tell me how crazy this is. We live in such an amazing country that we can spend more than we make. Like, who thought of that? Now the $100 meal is $130 and I got to put it on my credit card. Say $100 meal. Yeah, I got like 732 kids. Food's expensive. That same study, though, here's what I found. This is how Americans are so crazy. It asked them why they weren't more generous. And they said because they're not rich enough. And then it asked them, do they consider themselves generous? And overwhelmingly, they said yes. They were generous with what they had. They weren't rich enough to be generous, but overall they considered themselves generous. Let me give you some earth-shattering news. We are not a generous nation. The average American actually gives only 2.8% of what they have away. Well, if I had more money, nope, actually. Those that make over $100,000 a year only give away 2.3%. Of what they have. Studies show that the more you make, the less you give. 
Those that make over a million a year, on average, give away 1.7%. That's not generous. As we reset in our walk with Christ, that's not how Christ has designed us. God did not create us to obtain, and make no mistake about it, there's nothing wrong with obtaining. But he created us to be generous with what he's given us. As the church, as Christ followers, we should be leading the example and leading the way when it comes to generosity. If those who called themselves Christ followers were more generous, let me educate you on something. The government wouldn't have to do what we think the government's supposed to do. It's not the government's job to feed people. It's not the government's job to clean up addicts. It's not the government's job to take care of the widows and the orphans. Guess whose job that is? The church's job. If the church was doing what it should be, big C church, there'd be no more homelessness. The church would be handling that. But like everything in life, we love to pass off the responsibility to someone else. Government steps in and we are more than glad to reap the benefits of our free cell phone. Oh, did I say that? We should lead the way with generosity. Because the Bible makes it clear it's more blessed to give then receive. <laughs> the reason people don't give, though, to be honest, I'm not picking anybody today, is because we just don't feel like we can. I get it. We don't feel like we can. I don't know that I know anybody who doesn't want to give more. They simply don't think they can give more. I don't know anybody who wouldn't say, man, I would love to be more generous. But we get funny when it comes to money. The problem is, is we live with a scarcity mindset because most Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Because we live paycheck to paycheck, we live with the mindset that finances and money is scarce. God gives it to us. We spend what we have. Oftentimes, we spend more than what we have. We lack. We fear. We consume, and the cycle keeps going on. We lack funds, we get fearful, we consume. We lack, we fear, we consume. God blesses us, we spend, we spend more than we have, we get fearful, we lack, and the cycle just keeps going on and on and on and on, and I can never get ahead, and no matter what I do, there's never enough, and it's the cycle of scarcity. I get it, man. People get funny when you talk about money. Some of you right now, I get it. I'm not saying this in a condescending way. I'm not saying it in a cocky way. Some of you right now don't know how your house payment's going to get paid February 1st. You live paycheck to paycheck. Most Americans do. I did it for years. You're fearful that the power is going to get cut off. You're robbing Peter to pay Paul, and now you're telling me I should give? Problem is you're thinking in the natural, not the supernatural. You're thinking on your own instead of what happens when I become generous and God steps up and does what he says he's going to do, and he's an on-time, all-the-time God. 
He's not a lying guy who said, we haven't given us any scripture yet. Well, I'm going to. And you can do with what you want to because here's the deal. What you do with it doesn't affect me. I'm going to keep on doing what we do. And I'm going to continue to see God bless that. And when I say bless that, I don't mean always mean more money. I just mean bless me in general. Bless me with a family. Bless me with friends. And bless what I'm doing and bless my past. I want to show you as Jesus followers, as Christ followers, we're to have a different mindset in the world. The world says hoard. The Bible says give. Matter of fact, the Bible says the more you give, the more God blesses. Because what God does is what we're supposed to do. He's our example. Not society that says swipe the card. Not society that says, man, go finance it for 72 months and ever have much interest. Not society that says, man, you don't need that size house, but you can afford it, so why not get it? What God does through Jesus, we're to do back. He gave a son. We're to give. When we do something different first, give, God does something different in our lives, and it creates a whole different cycle. It's no longer the scarcity cycle. It's the cycle of blessing. We no longer do without because now we've given first to God, and God, we've got involved in what God's doing, and now God's involved in what we're doing. And God blesses. It's, we move from the cycle of scarcity to the cycle of supply. God supplies all of our needs. I'm going to say a statement here, and I say it every time I talk about this, and everyone tries to argue with me. I have never met, ever met, a broke, generous person. Ever. Now, I don't say they're all millionaires, but I've never met a broke, generous person. Because God shows out and supplies. So I don't understand how it works. We're not supposed to understand how it works. It's supernatural, but luckily he lays it out for us. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Now here's the problem. We have a whole group in the church called the Prosperity Gospel who takes this out of context. God wants you to prosper, and God wants you to thrive, and God wants you to be millionaires. Nope. Sometimes, but not all the time. Just says God will generously provide. He doesn't say he'll provide by the skin of your teeth. Gary, I don't even know how. But right, because you're not trusting God. He says, purpose in your heart what to give, because God loves it cheerfully, and give it cheerfully. Don't give it reluctantly. Don't give it because of pressure. If you're giving because I pressure you, oh, you've missed the heart of this message. I don't know who gives what. Don't let me pressure you. This is the easiest church ever not to give, and no one ever know it. We don't pass the offering plate. If we pass the offering plate, I could watch you. I just noticed Tony didn't throw anything in there. I'm going to pass the plate. Over 60% of the giving comes online, which goes right to the finance company that handles our bills. You drop it in a box when you leave. I never see it. Group of trusted people go back there, they count it, assemble it, and they make sure it gets to the right, to the company. It's an easy church not to give in. So there's no reason to be peer pressure. Maybe we should start passing the plate. Passing the plate. It's not who we are. 
Because again, you don't give for us. You give where God turns around and just blesses you with fulfillment. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always, not sometimes, you will always. Let me break that word always down for you in the original language. Here he doesn't get deep ever, and it just bothers me. I wish you would break it down in the Greek for me. That word in the Greek means, check it out, you're going to have your mind blown right here. The word always in the Greek, it means always. 100% of the time. Then you will always have everything you need. And check this out. Plenty left over to do what? Share with others to keep giving. That's the cycle. You give, God blesses, you give. It's mind-boggling. My wife completely lost her job when COVID hit. I put on events for a living, in case you didn't know if that was a hard gig a couple of years ago. Check this out. I don't say this in an arrogant way. I say it in a bragging to God way. We made more money than that year than we did the year before. Through events. When events were closed down. How'd you do that, Gary? We were running illegal events. (laughs) That no one knew about. And God blessed them. (laughs) You always have everything you need. Plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, they share freely and they give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Paul said you have to decide in your heart what to give. That's what we do. We give generously. I love he said, don't give reluctantly. Don't give because of pressure. Don't let someone pressure you into giving. Have a backbone. This ain't middle school. Don't give into peer pressure. You don't give because the preacher gets up. and like Preachers are the greatest, man. Let's put some little... Poor tribal kids up there that look like they're skeletons and say, man, we're gift today and it's all going to go to them. No one is not going to go to them. Like, man, we're the grace of that. You know, let's get Sarah McLaughlin to play a song while something sad's up. And let's just guilt you into giving. No. Care what you do. I'm just going to give you the truth. What you do with the truth is up to you, but the truth will set you free and it will change your life. <laughs> man. We give cheerfully, we give joyfully, we give hilariously. We used to take up the offering around here. You know what we did every time we go up the offering? It just started when we first started the church. I don't know how it started. We cheered. People just cheered. Why? Because you go to most churches, it's the most awkward time. You don't want to make eye contact. Not giving in church is not to make eye contact. Or that's the time suddenly you got to go to the bathroom. Oh, oh, phone's ringing. I'll be back. Catch me on the flip side. People would cheer. I thought, that's awesome. And they cheer for the worship. They don't really cheer for the preaching. I get that. Preaching's not that great, but I prayer for the... They would cheer for it. It was awesome. That's the only thing I missed when we moved to the boxes. But we didn't want to pressure you. That's just bring your tithe. If you're going to bring it, bring it to the box. Man. They gave. We give joyfully. We give hilariously. We, we believe, according to the Bible, that giving is a massive blessing. Oh, I can't even pay my bills. Right. So how's that not giving working for you? 
Keep doing what you've been doing. Keep getting what you've been getting. God blesses. I don't know how he blesses. God's, God's not going to write you a check. You're not going to have to go to the mailbox and be a $100,000 check in there. But maybe the car runs a little bit longer. Maybe the refrigerator don't break. Maybe God gives you more. <laughs> I think I've shared the story before. He's like, man, I've been praying for God for my finances, and he's not answering. I said, man, I hate to hear that. And then, like, literally three sentences later, he's like, man, I'm just wore out, man. I've been working about 20 hours overtime for the last two months. So you've been working 20 hours overtime? Is that normal at your job? No. I said, well, you stupid idiot. Maybe God's blessing you overtime. So that's not very pastor-like. Well, I'm not very pastor-like. We give generously to the poor, and their good deeds will be remembered forever. This is what we do. We give. God blesses. We give. God gives generously to us. We give back to the poor. God blesses. See the cycle? You're living in the scarcity cycle. Can't pay the bills. Can't pay the bills. Hoard it, hoard it, hoard it. But here's the funny thing, too, about people that hoard it. They ain't got no money, but they got money to do whatever they want to do. Got money to go out to eat when they want to go out to eat. Got money to smoke. Got money for cell phone. Got money for cable. Got maybe any, and then, or maybe any got money. We got rid of cable. But you subscribe to 20 different subscription services at $10 a month. It costs more than your cable. You just don't realize it because it's $10 at a time. So you, I don't like this sermon. I don't like preaching it. I get it. I don't want to preach this crap. My deal when I started this church, I moved here, started the church, fastest growing church, and one of the fastest growing churches in the country. I lost the church, ego, arrogance, marriage fell apart, lost the church. People wanted me to start another church. I said, I'll never start another church. I had three criteria. I said, other churches got to have a new pastor. They took forever to find a new pastor. I mean, I'm hard to replace. <laughs> that was a joke. I said, I got to have a job where I'm never depending on the church for money. I ain't ever having anybody say I came back for the money. And I said, so we got to move to the forest far town. That was three criteria. That was three criteria. And you just give and you give and you give. And God blesses and God blesses and God blesses. Doesn't always make sense. God blesses. Verse 10 keeps on. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. And then bread to eat. So he's saying, give. Because here's the deal. God provides it anyway. God provides those customers. God provides that construction job. God provides that car to wash. God provides those t-shirts that need to be made. God provides those people who show up to my events. God provides that. He provides the seed to the farmer, the bread to eat. In the same way, he'll provide an increase. Your so again, we're back to surplus. He's increasing your resources and produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Can you not see the simplicity? The Bible's complicated. No, you're just dense and won't see what it has to say because you don't like what it has to say. Here's what it's saying. Be generous. God blesses. God blesses. Be generous. God blesses. Be generous. Why, it's not complicated. But instead, we hoard and we're broke. Man, harvest of generosity. Yes, you. He's like, hey, yes, you, I'm talking to you. You that don't think it makes sense. 
you will be enriched. And check it out, not in every way, not just financially, but in peace, contentment, harmony, friendships, relationships, your children, grandchildren. You'll be blessed. You'll be enriched. Your life will be better in every way. And you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they'll thank God. So then everybody says, you give, God blesses. You give, God blesses. You give, don't miss this, and God gets the praise. That's why I don't allow cameramen here when we do our Thanksgiving thing. We do our Christmas thing. It's why we changed our entire Christmas thing, where it can be anonymous. We don't do it where we get the praise I said, y'all running the shelter? I said, yeah, we're running the shelter. Oh, well, you ain't been really talking much. I don't, I don't need to get them and, and make a post. Oh, we're running the shelter. We're a thousand people. Like, oh, you guys are so amazing. And it's great. You love Jesus. Shut up. We don't care. We're down here. Me and Misty Bubba. Other night, eating Chick-fil-A and Jersey Mike's having a good time. We don't got to be praised for it. We want, we want God to get the praise. You know why? Because the Bible says when the Son of Man is lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. So when we're generous, God gets lifted up. When God's lifted up, he draws people to him. In case you didn't know it, that's the mission. That's why we're here. Good God, that's good preaching if a white boy is doing it. I've seen some black ones do it, man, but a, a white one's getting to do it today. Must be the vest. Someone said, why are you dressed up? I said, i got to do a funeral today. As dressed up as I get. Well, thank God. This isn't lacking. This isn't scarcity. This is abundance. This is blessing. He multiplies, He increases our resources, and it produces a harvest of generosity in you. I, I'll say this. And I've shared the story, but I'm going to share a little more in depth today. When I met my wife eight years ago, she had come out of a relationship, a marriage um, that, that wasn't necessarily, um, no, financially, they didn't have the most money. So generosity was hard for them. They were starting out in life, both working, doing things. I, I'm not trying to make it sound like there was some bad situation there. It was, money was not a huge thing. Money was a stumbling block for her. I'm always weird to say this because I know people know people. But here's the deal. She was always worried whether or not the power was going to be kept on because are we going to go do drugs, husband, or are we going to pay the power bills? That's the reality of the situation. Are we going to go pawn the car title or are we going to go do this? So when I met her, money was a stumbling block big time. So I meet her. All my money's in a shoebox. I had opened an account three months earlier, had never wrote anything in a ledger ever. She's like, how much money? I said, I don't know. In my head, I got this much. He said, you do not have that much. I said, oh, well, my head, are you sure? She said, don't you have like a ledger? No. I said, can you get it all worked out? How many hours do you spend? 12 hours? 15 hours? All night. I woke up like four in the morning. She's still at the table trying to figure it all out. And I said, I don't really care what you do with the finances. Make sure the bills get paid. I said, but make sure that generosity always comes first. We give to the church first. I said, and she looked, I said, and I don't even mean this like 
in a domineering way. I said, do you understand what I'm saying? I said, I don't care if the house payment gets paid. I don't care if they're coming to repo the car. You, out of our finances, give to the church first. We tithe. And I said, so we give 10% at a minimum. I'm going to get into that in a minute because that's going to make some of you more mad. Color leaves her face. I can tell she's scared to death. Eight years later, she's more generous than I ever thought about being. Hey, I gave so-and-so this. I'm like, you do what? No. Why? Because she's seen that you can't outgive God. She's seen that God blesses. It's not up for negotiation. House payment of God, God. Car payment, they can come get the truck. I used to drive a scooter around this town. 49cc scooter. You say, why? Because I put $3 and it drove 100 miles. That thing was, someone stole my scooter. Now listen, the scooter was so embarrassing, I'd wear a full face mask where no one would know it was me. But I loved that scooter, man. I drove, ding, ding, ding. I was like, dumb and dumber around town on that scooter. You know, it was bad to the bone. Fill it up once a month, $3. It'd take one gallon of gas. I'd go back to the scooter. Don't matter to me. But guess what? Here's, here's the deal, though. I don't got to go back to the scooter. Because God blesses because we put him first. The harvest of generosity has been created. See, when we're generous with our finances, God flips the script. He said it over and over and over. Xander, I want to go back to those first. I want to read those whole verses again. I'm not going to stop. So verse 7, Xander. Oh, you're good, Xander. You must decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly. Don't give in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives... Cheerfully, next verse. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will all then you'll always have everything you need. Not complicated. Quit saying the Bible is complicated. And plenty left over. So you're gonna have everything you need plus more, so you can be a blessing to others. Next verse. The scripture says, Share with the poor, give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Next verse. For God is the one. God provides everything to us. Next verse. Yes, you'll be enriched in every way. You'll have blessing and peace because of your generosity. And when we take our gifts, they'll thank God. So how do we become generous? Well, the bare minimum, bare minimum, bare minimum of generosity is the tithe. The tithe, it's it's the bare minimum. Someone said, that's the Old Testament. You're right, you don't want to get into New Testament giving. The, The grace always exceeds the law. Hate to tell you that, always. The law said don't have don't have an affair. <laughs> New Testament said don't even think about it. You know? Always exceeds. When God supplies, instead of consuming, lacking, fearing, we give. And when we give, God shows out. God multiplies it. So here's the important thing. So tithing literally in its truest sense, the word means a tenth. Scratch that. Back it up. It doesn't mean a tenth. It means the first tenth. Tithing breaks the cycle of scarcity and begins to create the cycle of supply. Again, before I get into this... I want to reiterate, I don't know who gives what around here. I don't care if you give. I don't need your money. 
This church doesn't need your money. I'm not preaching this because we need it. I'm preaching it because you need it. And we're resetting. The tithe does among so many other things. Tithing, it breaks that cycle of, oh my gosh, how are we going to have enough? And it creates that cycle of supply. It literally means the first tenth. Does that even matter now? We're in the New Testament. Again, it matters. Several occasions Jesus talked about the tithe. Then Paul talks about generous giving. So generous giving would exceed the tithe. So let's unpack this. What does the tithe teach us? The first thing the tithe teaches us is this. The tithe teaches us to put God first. Put God first. You've seen, I, I had this illustration I used with M&M's. I was going to do it, Christine said, it creates a mess on stage and everyone's heard it. But I talk about this time my daughter is in the back seat and I bought her some M&M's and I asked her for some. She said, no, they're mine. I want to reach back and slap her across her face. So she didn't realize some things about those M&M's. I bought those M&M's. I gave her those M&M's. I'm her daddy. I'll reach back there and jerk those M&M's out of her hands. What she also don't realize is I'll go to the quick trip, pull out my credit card, and I'll buy her so many M&M's she won't even know what to do with them if I wanted to. But that's what we do with God. God gives us some M&M's. He says, I just want the first tenth back where we can go help other people, where I can bless you more. I just want to see that you're putting me first. And so what we do, though, is we say house payment, car payment, clothes, uh, food, blah, blah, and then we're at M&M's. Where God says, come along and say, God first. Now house payment, now this, now that. Oh, we're at M&M's, and God pulls out the bam chick a lamb lamb pack. I'm talking about the Costco pack and just pours it out on. It's a great illustration. I'm sorry you had to miss it. Phil gripes, he gets M&M's on his shoes. Then I have to eat all the M&M's because I don't want to be wasteful. But when we put God first, it just stretches. Look what he says in Deuteronomy. Bring this tithe to eat before the Lord. Your God at the place he shall choose as a sanctuary. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, the firstborn of your flock, churches, that they didn't deal with cash, they with product. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first. You're herding those sheep, the first sheep go to God. You're making oil, the first oil goes to God. We get paid in money, so the first money goes back to God. But I don't know how I'll do this, this, and this. God will do it. That's what you're missing out. Do you not see over and over and over when the Bible talks about giving, it talks about supplying? That brings us to the second point. The issue is not money. It's the issue is you just don't have any faith. The second thing is this. The tithe builds our faith. It builds our faith. Because on paper, it doesn't make sense. Bring the whole tithe. The whole thing, not 8%, not 90% of it, the whole thing, to the storehouse. That there may be food amounts. We're going to get to that storehouse part here in a minute. There may be food And then check it out. He says, test me in this. Do you know this is the only place God says, test him? I just don't know if it'll work. Test him. He's God. Ain't a lot of things you can make deals with God in. I think this, hey, God, I'm going to try this for 90 days. Matter of fact, I'll tell you what. I do this every time. I'm going to do it again. People get mad at me every time I do it. Finance people do. 
You make a commitment for the next 90 days to test God in this. At the end of those 90 days, if you've been faithful in tithing and God has not blessed you like you've never been blessed for, I will write you a check for your 90 days giving back. That's how strong. You know, I've been given that challenge for 16 years. I've never had anybody come to me and ask for it back. Because God shows out. I don't know how he shows out. He just shows out. He says, test me in this. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, pour out so many M&Ms on you. You won't even have enough room to store it. He's saying, test me. But Gary, we can't. No, you can't function now. You're not paying the bills now. You're miserable now. You live paycheck to paycheck now. Money's your God now. What do you got to lose? Test him. He says, I'm about to pour it out into overflowing for you. I'm about to bless you in ways you've never been blessed before. You ain't even going to have enough room to store it. Hence why it's a good thing you got those houses for your cars. Store it there. High bills are faith. It causes us to trust God and watch God show out. Test God. Testing builds faith. 90% blessed by God is better than 100% not blessed by God. I don't know how it works. I can't explain it. It just works. Like I said, it just seems like the cars run a little bit longer. The clothes last a little bit longer. Just seems like that old refrigerator just keeps on keeping everything cold. It doesn't make sense to me. It just seems like it works out. The thing that I thought was going to cost $3,000 ends up only costing $2,000. And I've got the extra $1,000 and God blesses. I don't understand it. God gives me so much work, I don't know what to do with it. He opens up the floodgates. Test him. What do you really got to lose? What you're doing is not working. And last of all, here's the reason we tithe. The tithe provides for the work of the local church. Let me make this very clear to you. The tithe supports the work of the local church. The local church, Action Church, will never be on the street corner selling donuts to raise money for the homeless. We don't beg. Not going to do it. We ought to have a yard sale out here. Go have a yard sale. Give all the money. I don't care. We're not having it out there. Church don't beg. The people of the church give, and it funds the work of the church. You know how nice it was this week? You know, I have a hate-hate relationship with our city. I used to have a love relationship with them. Now I have a hate relationship with them. And I guess Friday they were getting a lot of slack and flack about, there's no shelter. So suddenly, you know, they claim the shelter that they've tried to shut down, you know, numerous times. They had the audacity to message me. Hey, is there anything you guys need? Knowing they don't want to help, they just don't want to deal with the backlash of not helping. So me and my caring pastor always said, no, thank you. We're good. I wasn't being prideful. You know why it was so nice to be able to tell them we're good? Because we were good. I said, go pat yourself on the back somewhere else. And I kind of got mean in the text, I'm just saying. But 
it, it was so refreshing. I don't do you need cots? We got cots. You need water? We got water. You need blankets? We got blankets. By the way, that same old cowboy showed up Friday, didn't he, Christine? We go stack of blankets. Boom. God provides. I don't need the city to provide for the work here. Because the tithe provides for the work of the Well, I want to give to this. That's give to whatever you want to. There's a difference between giving and tithing. Tithing comes first. Tithing goes, check it out. Malachi, bring your whole tithe to the storehouse. Maybe food in my house. You read any theologian, any Bible commentary, the storehouse is where you go to get fed. It's the local church. If you do not feel that you can give your tithe to the local church, that means you don't trust us. Cool. I'm not mad about that. My encouragement to you is go find a church that you believe in the vision and the mission and trust enough that you can give your tithe. Well, I got a friend who's a missionary. Cool. We even got to that, and we're not going to get to it today. That's called giving and offerings. Those come beyond the tithe. I thought we'd start the elementary surface today. I can't tell you the last time we just tithe. We give, we go. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying I just know you can't outgive God. I'm looking for ways. Man, hey, let's do this where God can come back and bless. I'm cheerfully doing it. God uses the saints of God for his work. We're going to reset God wants all. He doesn't just want our time. He doesn't just want our talents. He wants to know our treasures come to him first too. You say, well, God can, if he's God, can he just make it? He can. He owns cattle on a thousand hill, baby. He doesn't need you to give. He just wants to know he's first. He's a jealous God. They want the first. Test him. 